Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Trey Colbeck and Adam Stewart. Welcome one and all to our Week 3 CFL Preview Show. We'll talk through the storylines of each game for Week 3 here tonight, the best CFL fantasy options available, and we'll make our picks and our bets to end off the show as usual. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, before I bring in the rest of the panel, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Zoto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's bring in the rest of the crew here tonight. Uh, first, in the middle here, it's the great Trey Colback. Trey, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic, guys. I'll uh, be honest, though. I stayed up all night to watch the finale of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show on Disney. So, I'm a li- And then uh, Call of Duty dropped a new map uh, sometime this morning. So I haven't got much sleep. So I've <laughs> been doing a lot of that. But I'm really excited to talk football right now with you guys. And uh I like how this is positioned, like you said. We got the hockey game on, and I'm going to have to be the referee tonight, I think. Yeah, Trey, right in the middle here, separating my adversary in the Stanley Cup Finals here. Uh, Colorado Avalanche fan, Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan. We really don't agree on many things, but he's a member of the podcast nonetheless. Uh, the great Adam Stewart is here as well tonight. Adam, how you doing? Well, good. I was worried you were only going to give me about 36 seconds to get Oh, he froze. Oh, no, I actually thought maybe you muted him as a joke there. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no. I'm over 36 seconds, so, you know, he he, pull, he he pulled me right off. So, anyways, no, I'm excited to talk some uh, Week 3 CFL football, which is uh, getting going here real quick. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll look at that avalanche score quite yet. Sounds good. Uh, We are live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch tonight. Uh, We'll be taking your comments and questions in the chat throughout the night as well, so put them there. Uh, All made possible by our presenting sponsor, uh, GameTime TV. Learn more at facebook.com slash GameTimeTVMB. Well, let's get into our week three preview. Let's start off, go through each of the games, talk about the major storylines uh first one up on the board saskatchewan rough riders montreal alouettes thursday night adam what are the main storylines in this one well i think the first storyline i think if you're from saskatchewan it's a no-brainer dan clark's injury uh the guy is probably done for the season i mean unless they make the great cup which i think most of saskatchewan is hoping uh nevertheless uh broken fibula uh twisted up ankle he's going to be done for the much foreseeable future uh, that means that uh, in his replacement, uh, first of all, Jamal Campbell will be uh, playing against the Alouettes. He'll be getting his first game of the season, as well as Logan Bandy will be taking snaps at center. Uh, the 2021 fifth round draft pick from the University of Calgary, six foot five, 285, uh, has had a trial with the NFL, so he does have a little bit of experience, but it is his first year in the CFL. So how much do you guys think this is going to change Jason Moss's use of the run game? We seen last week he was not afraid to use Jamal Morrow and they were giving every uh, Edmonton a healthy dose of it. Does that game plan have to change quite a bit this week because of Dan Clark? Uh, Trey, what do you think? Uh, no, I think you got to keep it business as usual, right? Football's that next man up mentality. And like you said, the guy coming in uh, 
I mean, uh, <laughs> as a joke, how good could he be if he didn't make the commanders? But just kidding. Um, you know, obviously getting some CFL experience here. And uh, no, I'd be really excited about this game. I think this one should be a good one because I think we'll get into more, but like, I think Montreal's a better team than what they've seen. But I think Saskatchewan's also hot. So I think they got to keep running the ball. Like I said on Monday, my two keys to the game make field goals and run the ball, right? So if I'm Jason Moss, I wouldn't change a thing. Ryan? Yeah, I think I said it on a recap show the other day. We got the good Jason Moss playbook last week where uh, they actually used the run game heavily. Jamal Morrow had a fantastic game. I think he was your player of the week, Adam, last week. I think he was named one of the CFL players of the week. And I love to see that. Uh, I was high on him coming into the year. I thought he did good things in the run game last year or in the return game last year. Now he gets more of a role on offense, a little bit in the run game, a little bit in the pass game. I want to see more of that. And I think maybe, you know, we will see more of that with Dan Clark out due to injury. You know, maybe a little more, you know, Cody Fajardo, a little more pressure on him, uh, a little more uh, of, you know, dumping the ball off to Jamal Morrow for a quick pass and making him make, uh, you know, make some plays, pick up some yardage there. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough injury to Dan Clark. Uh, obviously, it did not look good. You could tell how frustrated he was as he was coming off the field on that cart the other day. But a chance for another guy like Logan Bandy to step up here. And we've said it last season. We've said it kind of a little bit so far this season. We're concerned about the Riders' offensive line. But even then, they found a way to get it done. They're 2-0 thus far. So, uh, to me, uh, I'm not overly concerned about the injury to Dan Clark and uh, I think maybe you know it actually affects the game plan for Jason Moss and the offense in a positive way no I think I agree on that Tom I just the only thing I think of is that Dan Clark is that leader of the offensive line and I think that's going to affect the riders quite a little bit Uh, let's face it they are terribly known for taking holding penalties Uh, that's a Jason Moss thing I think is just as much as it is an offensive line thing but uh, it doesn't help when you don't have a guy that's very experienced, especially doing the center, because he's trying to make the calls over to the rest of the line to try to make some things happen. So I'm a little concerned for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in this regard, uh, but I think that's more on the passing game and for Cody Fajardo uh, to stay upright more than it is probably making the holes for Jamal Morrow. I think Morrow could probably cut some holes himself anyways. So uh, I'm kind of on the fence on this one a little bit because – I, I know the importance of that center position uh, for any offense. And I think later on we'll be po- having to talk about that again after a report came out later this evening. Uh, the other one on the other side of the ball, the Montreal Alouettes are down with some injuries and some sickness this week. Uh, Vernon Adams is out this week with the COVID uh, protocol. I uh, will not play. So Trevor Harris will get the start for Montreal. Uh, you also don't have uh Jake Wenicky, who is out this week, I believe it's with an ankle injury, guys. I think I'm right on that. Uh, I know he's out anyways for the week for uh, for Montreal. Uh, Eugene Lewis is questionable for this week as well uh, for the uh, Montreal Alouettes. So that's two of their main receivers. Uh, we also have, uh, I think, uh, Chris Ackland, I believe it is. Did I read that right? Uh, Chris Ackie. Chris Ack, sorry about that, uh, is also uh, out this week with an injury. So the Montreal Alouettes are coming in banged up. Uh, Let's face it, the big one, though, that I think everybody's going to be talking about here is Trevor Harris getting the start for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, The Riders, 13 sacks going into this game. 
and you've got a quarterback that does not move around the football uh, with the football very much. He's a very much a pocket passer. If you're the Montreal Alouettes uh, fan, how much are you concerned about this, Ryan? I'm very concerned about this. I was not as high on Montreal in our preseason preview as you guys were. Uh, I think I was in the middle. I think Mike was maybe even lower on them than I was. Um, and that was with William Stanback. That was with expecting a good season from Vernon Adams Jr. That was expecting Jake Winicky, you know, touchdown machine and a healthy Eugene Lewis. Now you talk about all of these guys being out. I'm genuinely concerned in this game. And, you know, Trevor Harris, yeah, he's shown flashes and, and, you know, had good seasons as a quarterback, but he might be one of the least, you know, mobile quarterbacks in the CFL. And now you're facing this Riders defensive line that is, as you know, destroyed every other team, you know, in the sack rankings so far this season. I, I see as this as a game for the Riders defense to just eat it up. Uh, here and I and and I know other guys will step up. You know, Jeshron Antwi's done a nice job in the run game as well. I think Reggie White Jr. has been a, a huge asset at receiver. We'll see a couple other guys uh, get in there. Maybe we'll see some Tyson Philpot fill in a little bit that receiver. You know, recently drafted uh, for Montreal. But this is some big firepower against the team that arguably has been the best defense we've seen in the league thus far this season. So. Uh, I'm a, I'm a little nervous here if I'm a Montreal Alouette fan going in this game. How about you, Trey? Yeah, I definitely, I personally would take VA over Harris, but at the same time, you know, you're not very high on them, but they only lost both games by a field goal. And one of them was because of the other kicker, right? So you can't really, you know, yeah, their defense maybe should have kept them out of field goal range, but it wasn't overtime, right? So you're basically given field goal range. Um, so I don't know. I'm a little higher on Montreal. I, like I said, I'd rather take VA. And you'd think they'd be due. I hope that, God, they don't lose another one by a field goal three weeks in a row, right? Like, that would uh, not be a good way to start the year. But I don't know. This was one of those games I feel like I think uh, I think Mike was talking about. It could be a trap game, you know, looking at the betting line. You know, you have Saskatchewan high and mighty, but they got some injuries on their old line. And Montreal's got an okay defense. I don't know. I'm really – this is – I'm really having a tough time uh, – looking at this one because it's just the Thursday nighters are just kind of crazy so far this year. And this one's a uh, following suit. I'm really thinking that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to be eating a lot of Trevor Harris in this game. Uh, just because again, he doesn't have the two targets. He's if he is missing Eugene Lewis and Jake Wenicke this game, he doesn't have the targets there for him. He can make the passes when he needs to, but if he doesn't have the person there and he's going back to his third, fourth, fifth read, it could spell a big, big problem for the Montreal Alouettes, in my opinion. Uh, and let's face it, that defensive line of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders has just been running wreck shot over almost everybody this season so far. Uh, that being said, they do have a little bit of injury uh, news there. Uh, Charleston Hughes will not make the trip out to Montreal. Uh, he's been used more as a kind of a fill-in, as a rotational guy. But I think that could also affect maybe the Rough Riders a little bit, but I don't think it's going to affect them that much. Uh, I do not like these odds for Trevor Harris. Uh, I know Gary Stern, the owner, has gone out and said Trevor Harris is our guy and he's going to win it. And uh, Alouettes are going to celebrate a great victory at home. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens later on when we get to the uh, betting and uh, guesses uh, later on. But uh I don't know if I really like the Montreal chances. And I was looking actually at earlier in the week because of the injury to Clark, 
going the opposite way and I was going to go with Montreal, but after seeing what's happening, I don't know. Uh, yeah, last little quick thing here, guys. Uh, David Cote, of course, we've talked about this, uh, missing that uh, 20-yard field goal last week. How much has that got to be in the mindset of Kahari Jones? Uh, just a quick answer on this one, uh, Trey. What do you think? I'd, li uh, I'd like to say non-existent, but it should be in Cote's mind. You know, you can't miss a, a extra point, right? So extra point length. Brian? Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things, you know, he misses it once, you know, who knows what the heck happened on that one. Maybe you give him a mulligan here, but uh, miss another short one here. I believe this is the Alouette's home opener as well. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to, to see a couple boo birds come down if, if that so happens. So he had a good season last year. So I'm hoping for a bounce back from David Cote here after that uh, rough ending to last week's game. Yeah, in the same way. I don't think it should affect Kahari Jones. Like you said, Trey, uh, uh, what do you call it? David Cote better not forget about it. But uh, Kahari probably uh, should just let that one pass. Uh, anything else you guys see in this game that you want to bring up, uh, Ryan? Uh, just the one quick thing I had him looking from Saskatchewan here. Like, like from what I've said, you, you can imagine what my pick is going to be later on in the show on this game here. But I really want to see the Riders play a good 60-minute football game, right? Because the last two weeks, it seemed like they've kind of dominated the game, but they haven't put the ball in the end zone. Like, I, I want to see Saskatchewan actually get ahead with that lead early in this game and not bring it down to, you know, tight game, four minutes left, and then you burst it full of offense at the end. If they do that and they continue to do that and they win, okay, that's an interesting strategy. And, uh, hey, wins are what matters in the standings. But I want to see a more complete uh, game, full throttle from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. No, for sure. I think that uh, you're right. The offense of the Saskatchewan has not been consistent this year. Uh, they've had the last-minute drives when they need it. But uh, in three of the four quarters, they usually decide to uh, – pretty much run the ball down a little bit and that's about it. So, uh, Trey, what about you? Anything else? Mm, no, I'm just upset that the Gary Stern's not going to be at the game, man. Like, you know, that's, that's my biggest upset about it all. I was hoping that you'd think that'd be a guy that they'd get in the TSN booth. They did it to the other owners. Right. And he was one of those guys that really wanted to hear talk and kind of sucks that the most disappointing thing about the game as, as non-football related. Yeah, unfortunately, he's on the one-game injured list. However, he said that he will uh, blow the roof off of his house as he's cheering for his Montreal Alouettes. Uh, we're going to move on then, I guess, to the Friday night football game between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. This game, of course, is at IGF Field in Winnipeg. Guys, it's the Gary Cup rematch for two years in a row. Uh, what uh, What's the hype in Winnipeg, and is this game getting an extra look at because it's a great cup rematch. Uh, Trey, let's start with you. Well, yeah, it's getting a little extra hype, and I believe it's a bomber whiteout. Uh, I like that, actually. I thought that for after their 2019 great cup, I was like, why don't we have our whiteout wearing the white jerseys? Um, I think it's going to be a really telling game. You know, I think when the Bombers play at home, there's going to be a extra big magnifying glass from the home crowd, and we've seen their defense be a little shaky, and we've seen Caleros and the offense not be as – potent as they should be so i think they're going to be under a big glass uh, microphone uh, magnifying glass but also it's hamilton you know they're owing too and they're a team that a lot of people say are going to be first or second in the east and you know it's a long season and a lot of teams have no wins in the east so they're not really behind but i think it's going to be a game both teams need to prove themselves this game 
And I could see it either being a defensive blowout where it's like three, nothing kind of thing where the defense are just sacking the quarterback, or it's going to be 60, 59 because Dane Evans and um, Caleros have a shootout. Like I could see it either way. And it's what it should be because these teams need to uh, start getting their engines going a little bit more. Ryan. Yeah. I, I don't know if I feel a, a whole ton of extra hype. Like I do know there's the whiteout game for, uh, for it. I think it's an interesting marketing tactic, you know, uh, oh, well, we wore white. We were on the road the last two times we played them in the great cup and, and that worked out well for us to me, the matchup though. I don't know if I hold this one, any extra weight because you know, new season, again, two teams kind of trending in opposite directions right now, Winnipeg, you know, two wins to start the year. They weren't they weren't beautiful wins, but they were, you know, real tough, gutsy wins that they pulled out to, in a home-and-home home with Ottawa. Hamilton on the other end of things, I'm more so watching what Hamilton does in this game because they are coming off a devastating loss in overtime to Calgary where they were high-flying in that first half. It looked like, yeah, this is kind of what we expect to see from Hamilton this year. And then they kind of blew it there, right? So it can go one of two directions. They can build off the momentum of the first half and come out strong here in a rematch, a Grey Cup rematch with Winnipeg. Or it could go the opposite direction. Then you're looking at an 0-3 start here for the Ticats, which is definitely not how you want your season to begin. Now the East as a whole has struggled, so it doesn't put you in a massive hole to start the season. But uh the Hamilton side of things you know I'm looking to see how they perform in this one and Winnipeg you know uh can they resume that dominance we saw uh, back in 2021 uh and you know come out with a real strong victory in this one is what I'm looking for uh in this rematch yeah you know what I just like the gamesmanship actually myself out of Winnipeg I mean Let's face it, if there's anything that can mess with your opposition, hey, we're going to wear the jerseys that we beat you twice in. That, that's great, Winnipeg. So uh, speaking of the, uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, still no John Jackson back. And that was a guy that was expected to be a big part of a run game for the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. And here's the biggest problem with that is there's only been a 100-yard run right now on the ground by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That's total yardage between quarterback, running back, and everybody. So 50 yards a game, that's not going to cut it in the CFL by any stretch of the imagination. Should this be concern going forward, or is this just, okay, when Don Jackson gets back, we'll get the run game going? Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Well, Don Jackson, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he played a little bit in their first game of the season. He had five carries. There. I want to say Sean Thomas Erlington was the starter, but he had one carry. Jackson had five. Uh, and then he was out last week. Sean Thomas Erlington was in, and again, only five carries in that game. So you're right, they don't run the ball a whole ton, and that's been one of my biggest gripes with the Ticats offense. But that doesn't mean they're not using their running backs, right? Sean Thomas Erlington was one of the top fantasy players of the week last week because he had seven catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. And uh, I would imagine a lot of those yards are after the catch on those, right? Those, uh, those are short dump passes headed his way. His longest catch was a 14-yarder in that game, right? So, yeah, it's not a carry. Yeah, it's not the run game. But a, pa a dump pass to your running back basically it accomplishes the same thing more often than not. So I want to see more usage for them. I was really high on uh, Thomas Erlington a couple of years ago when he had a few starts, and then he went down due to injury there for Hamilton. Seems like he's been kind of slow getting back into the rhythm of it. And I think Don Jackson, healthy and in the lineup, would help as well. But uh, – you know, uh, 
I think there's good things there. It just might take a bit of time to piece together here for Hamilton and uh, maybe more down the stretch of the season is when we see them go more run heavy. Trey? Yeah, you know, but talking specifically about the upcoming game, I think Hamilton needs to run. You When you got a, guys like Jefferson and Jeffcoat on the D-line, you need to push them back on their ankles, right? You know, they're, those two guys are going to go hard for the ball, and if it's going to be nothing but throwing, why are they not going to just go for Dane Evans? You need to give Dane Evans the time. You know, the Blue Bombers uh, secondary has been kind of leaky and has some holes, so you need to give him as much time as possible to throw the ball, and how do you do that? Run the ball, play action, you know, get the D-line tired. So. I think specifically this game, they need to run the ball more uh, if they have a, want a chance to win. And yeah, over the season, like I'm going to say it all the time, make field goals and run the ball. That's how you win a dang game in the CFL. And I don't know how you only have 100 yards rushing after two games and your quarterback's your leading rusher. Like that, That's insane to me. Like that that sounds like some Madden crap, you know, when your quarterback just, you have like, you have Michael Vick back there, so you just run all the time. But Dane Evans at 23 yards should not be your leading rusher, right? So I think they need to run the ball, obviously. And I, I, no, I could see it. I could very well see it that they really run the ball down Winnipeg's throats and do it consistently and really get Jefferson, Jeff Coat, and the rest of their defense tired. They Why would they not win this game, possibly? And we've seen how their secondary, the Bombers' secondary is open, right? So I, that's my key to Hamilton, right? They run the ball and they should be fine. Well, the great thing about running the ball again is it opens up so much holes in the backfield for the receivers to get open because the secondary is going to try to pinch in a little bit or try to be ready for in case of a breakout. Uh, like I said, if the linebacker is missing, it's up to the secondary to get that guy for the running back. So to me, I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats need to run the ball a little bit. However, my second thing is the defense of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, they have had a total of four sacks all season. One of those came from uh, Willie Jefferson. Other than that, or not from Willie Jefferson even. I should say that right. Uh, All-star Willie Jefferson and uh, Jackson Jeffcoat have not had a sack this season yet. They've had a few forced fumbles. Uh, but uh, like I said, not really much out of the defensive line of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And they're giving up a league worst right now, 355 yards in the air. Uh, is this starting to be a little bit of a trend for the Bombers or is this just the early season kind of adjustments until we get going here? Uh, right now, I'd be a little concerned if I was a Bomber fan. Trey, what about you? I would be concerned until I saw the signing of Theatric Hansen. You know, if you put him back there, I think that's going to change some things and I'm not too sure how he's going to fit in this week. Uh, um, but definitely that that's, that's their key right there. If that, I haven't been impressed with a lot of the defensive line play from Winnipeg. Like, you know, I just feel like Jefferson's not, yeah, he's getting a lot of quick steps, but he's not doing it the same way. I don't know what, what's going on a year older. Uh, it's getting started. I don't know what it is. You know, I really don't know what it is with that line. Like you're used to them being all over, but it seems like for the last two weeks, as soon as they get to like, anytime they get anywhere near Mazzoli, the ball's already 10, 20 yards down the field, right? So hopefully they can get to Dane Evans a little quicker than that. But yeah, I'm going to get certain a team that usually leads the league in sacks or is up there. And, you know, definitely I don't think they're happy that the team uh, six hours west on number one highways beating them in that category, right? So I really hope they get that going, Ryan. Yeah, we've harped a lot on the struggles of Winston Rose, uh, you know, who's been beat deep a couple of times here, but that goes two ways, you know. 
Jeremiah Mazzoli of the Red Blacks had time to find his targets deep because there was not enough pressure on the quarterback in a lot of those instances. And it almost feels like we are seeing the Richie Hall defense of, of the past, you know, the bend, but don't break, give up 300 yards passing a game. But, you know, somehow the defense has only given up one touchdown, I believe, on the season thus far through two games. And yeah, there's a little bit less pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, I, I think if you get a little bit more, if you have a couple more sacks from guys like Jefferson and Jeff Coat there, then we're looking at the stat line for this defense and talking about the one touchdown against. We're talking about, uh, you know, these two guys being a force here. And we're probably comparing this defense pretty closely to what we saw at the start of last season. So uh, maybe it is just, you know, the, those big plays, the pressure that's missing uh, there on the defensive line. And if they can dial that up, well, then watch out. You know, uh, I don't think this defense at all this year will perform to the exact same level they did last season. I think that's just insurmountable. But I, I think they can play better than they have. And, and I'm wondering at what point we'll see that. And maybe it's another matchup with Dane Evans and the Ticats that they, they love that matchup. Maybe, maybe that's what they're looking for here. Yeah, you could be right. I mean, let's face it, uh, Hamilton has had a little bit of pressure on him as they've seen against Saskatchewan. And uh, they don't really respond well. The pressure, Dane Evans seems to let out that forced fumble maybe a little bit easy this year, which we've seen a few times now, uh, both against Calgary and Saskatchewan. Uh, one other big note that I've got, and then I'll let you guys take over for any other notes. Uh, Michael Couture will be placed on the six-game IIR for uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, he has had his arm in a cast, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if that's right. Uh, he will be out for six games. I would presume that should affect the Blue Bombers quite a bit on their run game, which hasn't been very effective so far. Uh, guys, is there anything else that you're looking at uh, in the Ticats Blue Bomber game here? Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm concerned about the injury to uh, Michael Couture. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick is also questionable uh, this week. He didn't practice on Tuesday. He was limited on Wednesday. I would imagine he plays, you know, you see a guy's questionable on the depth on the injury report. Like I think Willie Jefferson was questionable every game last season uh, and didn't miss a single one. So a lot of these guys, they're likely to go out and play, but that's a big loss at center. We just talked about Dan Clark for Saskatchewan. I think Michael Couture is a huge one for Winnipeg as well. Trying to think of who fills in at that role. Then I want to say it might be Chris Kolonkowski uh, filling in at the, the off at the center position here. Um, but you know, the run game has been slow getting going. I think we've seen a decent amount of pressure more than usual on, uh, Zach Caleros so far, so far this season. So a big loss there and, you know, guys are going to have to step up now and, uh, we'll see maybe how they get, maybe they get a little more creative with that, uh, with the offensive game plan here also to, to kind of work around that, uh, Trey, what do you think? Well, yeah, I just want to ask you guys a question. Would we be so hard on Hamilton if they won last week in overtime? Like, you know, we're pretty hard on them for being 0-2, but they literally were just a touch, like a touchdown away from winning that game. And if they came into this game 1-1 and and beating Calgary, would we not be, like, maybe a little bit more worried that Winnipeg would lose this? Or would we still be the same? You know, I think I would probably be hard on them anyways just because they went down on a 24-point deficit. I mean, to me, I think Hamilton deserves probably a little bit less respect than they've been getting just because you don't give up a 24-point lead unless you're the, uh, what do you call, Atlanta Falcons. You just don't do that kind of thing. 
actually, right? Look, after the BC Lions went 0-6 to start the season in 2011 and turned it around and went on to win the Grey Cup, I'm never going to, you know, count a team out uh, after the first two games of the season. Uh, yeah, we're a little hard on some of these teams, and, you know, that's all we have to go off of is what we've seen so far, right? So everything goes under that magnifying glass and it is extra. So I guarantee we look back on this, say, midpoint of the season, closer to the end of the season, and we're looking at, yeah, the first five games or so for Hamilton this year. Yeah, okay, about 500, maybe two and three, maybe three and two record for them here at the start of the season. And overall, slightly slow start, but not the end of the world for them. So you're right, Trey. You know, they, they lost the uh, they lost the overtime. You know, they blew it their last game. They were one touchdown away from being a one and one team. So uh, chance now it's a, it's a tough matchup, uh, but uh, they come out of this. They're one and two. And, uh, you know, they're right there still in the East Division standings. Well, that was my question because, yeah, they lost, you know, they lost to Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan against the team that, you know, we were pretty high on. And then, like I said, it, it, yeah, you shouldn't blow a 24 points, but then they also blew a 24-point lead to Bo Levi Mitchell, right? Like, you know, if you look at it in certain perspective, they didn't blow it to, you know, Johnny Manziel of the like, Alouettes or something stupid like that. So that's kind of where I'm like a little bit more high on maybe Hamilton because, you know, they did almost still beat Calgary. Yes, they they blew it, but you know, I don't know. It's just that's my question on that. So because like they, you know, they still put up thirty points against Calgary, and is Calgary's defense a lot worse than Bombers? I don't know. You know, I don't really think so. I think the Bombers' defense hasn't been playing that great. So that's just my concern. And the talent is there for Hamilton too, right? Yeah. Like they've got a talented roster still. So like I said, wouldn't be surprised to see them turn things around here in short order. Perfect. So, well, uh, Brian Thompson there over on Facebook has put down that we could count the Elks out. Laughing out loud. Uh, you know what? I think it's time we go and talk about the Edmonton Elks. They're traveling down the road on Queen Elizabeth II to go and visit the Calgary Stampeders this week over at McMahon Stadium. Uh, the Edmonton Elks, I'll give them credit. They did hang out with a pretty good Saskatchewan Rough Riders team. Uh, kept them off the board for the most part. Uh Actually, I thought they played a better game. I wouldn't say it's the best game they've played in a long time, but uh, let's face it, they have shown some signs of improvement. Uh, can the Elks pull off this upset? I mean, let's face it, Calgary's heavily favored, I would believe, in this one. Uh, can they pull this off? And which group do you think needs to take uh, take the reins to accomplish this? Uh, I'm going to say other than the quarterback position because we all know that they need some help with the quarterback position. And they need some consistency there. So, uh, Trey, which group meet will uh, will prevail for the Edmonton Elks? Well, yeah, like I'm going to say, if there's going to be one game that the Elks are going to pull off a miracle, would it not be against their provincial rival, right? So, and if I can't go with quarterback, I guess I'll go with the receiving core. You know, you pay Kenny Lawler 300000 right? And um, you got, you know, you got to go. Well, yeah, nope, they go 0-3. Thanks, Brian. I think they will go 0-3 too, but if they were going to be a team, like we know we've seen how many Labor Days that the Bombers are almost undefeated and they lose to Saskatchewan, right? Or you see what happens in Toronto and Hamilton. Like the division games and those rival games, anything can happen, doesn't matter. So that's where I'm just like, ah, maybe. And they play, what, twice in three weeks or tw three like games at least. So, you know, they see each other a fair bit. Um, I'd be more interested to see what happens in the next time they meet in Edmonton in a few weeks after having some game film. But 
yeah, I think it's going to be the receiving core. You're going to pay a guy like uh, Lawler that kind of money. Yeah, he had a great catch, but, you know, you got to be throwing it to those guys, and he's got to earn that money. Is one great catch worth that salary? Probably not. He's going to have to make those catches once or twice a week for the next uh, 20-some weeks until November, right? So that's where I think is going to have to step up. Brian? I'm looking at the guys in the trenches here for Edmonton uh, and, you know, steal a page out of Trey's book here and look at the run game on both sides, really. Defensive side of the ball, week one, James Butler put up four touchdowns on you, two on the ground, two through the air. He was a force to be reckoned with. Week two, Jamal Morrow put up a fantastic game against your defense there as well if you're the outs. So they got to stop the run. They're facing Kadeem Carey, who in my opinion, is, you know, right up there as one of the top running backs in the CFL. I know, know a little bit injured last game, you know, status still, I think, remains to be seen, whether it's him, Peyton Logan, Diedrich Mills, whoever's healthy, basically, for Calgary. But they got to stop the run, and uh, they got to do a better job of running the ball, I think, as well, because James Wilder Jr., fantastic start to the year last year. It's been kind of quiet here to start the season. You had Kenny Lawler with, a, what, 149 yards or something like that through the air last game that seemed like they got some stuff going in the passing game. If they can get James Wilder going here a little bit more uh, as well, utilize him like they did last season, yeah, it's going to take some pressure off of Nick Arbuckle there. So I'm looking at the offensive and defensive line, you know, pressure-wise there, and, and the run game on both sides as well for Edmonton uh, to step up here. I'm the same as you, Ryan. I'm looking at the uh, defensive line, and I'm looking at that middle linebacker, linebacking core of the Edmonton Elks right now. They need to stop the run. They're giving up an average of seven yards per carry, uh, 185 yards a game. I mean, that's – I know they've only had two games, but, man, that's that's not where you want to be if you're the Edmonton Elks, especially when you got a head coach that's going to be analyzing that position with a microscope because you know Chris Jones – has no problem with sending anybody down the road that he doesn't think is doing anything. So to me, I really am looking at that defensive line and you've got probably one of the best backs in the league uh, with Kadeem Carey coming in. He's been practicing. He's been full in practices for the week. He's the guy going to be going, I'm sure with Calgary later on this week. Uh, the one thing though, the Calgary has for a flaw has been the passing game of, and mainly allowing uh, a lot of passing yards. This is the same problem that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have been having. However, I don't think the injuries are quite as bad over on the uh, Calgary side of the ball as it's been for the Bombers. Uh, Kenny Lawler has had some big yards already this season, 221 yards, 17 for 23. Has had a good season so far for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, if you're the Calgary Stampeders, do you double-team Lawler and let a guy like Arsenal or somebody go open? Or do you really give some special attention to Kenny Lawler? Trey, what do you think? Mm, I hate I hate the scheme questions because I don't know. Because uh, I guess I would – because I don't like double-teaming guys. Like You know what I mean? Like I understand where you have to, but, you know, you just got to put your best corner out there against the best receiver and you hope your guy wins. Like that's what you got to do. If you don't have faith in your best corner to go up against the other team's best receiver, why the heck is he your best corner? Right. That's kind of where I'm at. So I think that, yeah, you got to keep an eye on Lawler. And obviously you have to maybe have some packages or some schemes that slow him down in some way. But yeah, I'm not a big believer in uh, double teaming a guy out there, Ryan. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm really looking forward to this matchup uh, for Calgary uh, defensively here. You know, you've got 
We've got some great defensive backs there on the Stampeders. Trey Roberson, Jonathan Moxie. Uh, they just actually brought a guy in, I think it was about eight days ago. Tremaine Washington was uh, tied for the interception lead in the CFL last season with Edmonton. Uh, ended up going to Ottawa and was let go by the Red Blacks and signed with Calgary here. I don't know if he gets into the lineup here necessarily, but uh, you know that's a solid, solid crew there at defensive back that I think has maybe underperformed a little bit here. All the attention is going to be on Kenny Waller, but I think they have, uh, you know, some all-star defensive backs that can take them one-on-one. So, yeah, I'm probably agreeing with Trey that I'm not necessarily double-teaming Waller. I don't think you can just forget about and the other guys on the field there for Edmonton. Uh, but uh, definitely looking for a bounce back from that crew here, too. And, you know, uh, Trey Roberson didn't practice on Wednesday. He was limited on Tuesday due to a shoulder injury. If he's out of the lineup and Kenny Waller has that matchup there, maybe we're expecting another big game Lawler's way. I agree. I think that, uh, I, I think though that I'm a little more concerned maybe than you guys on uh, Kenny Lawler, just because those are big yards already on uh, a, a Saskatchewan rough rider team that has a pretty decent secondary. I wouldn't say it's the best in the league. Uh, And then the BC lions who have guys like Luchez Purifoy, uh, that even got a little bit burned by Kenny Lawler, who is probably maybe the sole bright spot. Uh, that being said, they still got to get the football out to Kenny Lawler and to Manny Arsenal and to Darrell Walker and to all their receivers. Uh, I just, as a quick little quick side question, how long of a leash do you give uh, Nick Arbuckle this week? Ryan, what do you think? Think he, I don't think he needs to have that short of a leash. I thought he played not too bad for the most part against the Riders last week. Turnovers, still got to cut it down, of course, especially late in the game. But we showed some, some signs of improvement. And I think you have to look at this year for Edmonton as a growing year for this club, right? So uh, I, I would still go with Arbuckle here uh, as your starter and, and give him a decent leash here early in the season. We get into the later part of the season, uh, you know, and you're and the Elks are struggling. Maybe you're looking at a backup, you know, like Trey Ford, Kyle Oxley. They're both there on the depth chart as well. I know Brian in the chat was asking who Edmonton's backup is. Would I love to see Trey Ford get more of an opportunity to play? Yeah, but I think Arbuckle's still the guy for right now. And if you're a team that got blown out week one, you had a decent bounce back in week two, just keep the consistency, I say, and keep building on it. And the wins are going to come at some point this season, I would hope. Trey? No, yeah, I agree. Like, looking at his stats line. Oh, no, I had that reversed. Oh, my goodness. I thought it was five touchdowns. No, it's five interceptions. Never mind. Maybe, maybe the leash is – I was like, why would he have a leash? Five touchdowns. But, no, that's so wrong. Um, Five interceptions, one pick. Yeah, Um. No, I agree. I would love to see Trey Ford, but I'm hoping that it's that situation where they want the future starter to sit a year and learn, and then maybe that's what they're going to do because we see how many guys get ruined. And They don't do much in the CFL where rookies come in, but we see in the NFL where you draft a guy, first five picks, and his season's ruined. Like, where's Johnny Menzel playing nowadays? You know what I mean? Like, guys like that are... You know, Trevor Lawrence, even, you know, how good he is. You know, he had a terrible offensive line in front of him. And, you know, Andrew Luck, great quarterback. How many years did he make? Because he never had the team around him and he got put in too long. So I think Trey Ford might be the guy of the future. And that looks like that because he's the only other quarterback to have some uh, some playing time other than Nick Arbuckle. But, yeah, Nick Arbuckle, 
why why risk ruining a guy like Trey Ford? You know, let him learn, let him hold the clipboard, let him do his thing. Nick Arbuckle can play all year. Like I said, Chris Jones can go 18 and he'll have his job next year. Yeah, I'm sure Victor Cui wants a little bit more, um, maybe a little bit more performance than that. But I think you got to go with the guy. And then maybe like mid-season, see what Trey Ford has. Like you don't want to rush him and uh, hinder his performance ever. We've got a comment here in the chat over on Facebook from Kat that says, by playing a mix of backups, will it change how the other teams plays, uh, play a starter and the backups? Yeah, you could get into a little bit of gamesmanship, I guess, with the quarterback position there and the game plan a little bit with that. But uh, you also got to keep the rest of your offense in mind as well, right? You've got some young receivers there. You got some old receivers, but you're looking to develop a little bit of chemistry with your team. Hard to do if you're you're rotating a starter every week there. Uh, Adam, uh, what else you got here on this game between Edmonton and Calgary? You know, you're actually saying about that uh, mix of backups. You got to remember who we're dealing with again as a head coach is Chris Jones. We remember the Brandon Bridge, Kevin Glenn situation. I mean, those guys were in there like one was in, one was out, then the other one was in the other. And it was almost uh, not just series. It was literally which play, which guy is going to go in. So if he sees something that he likes Trey Ford to be involved in, he's going to put Trey Ford in, I believe. Uh, But that being said, yeah, no, it's still Nick Arbuckle's team, I think, for the most part. But like I say, with Chris Jones, there's nobody, nobody's team. It's Chris Jones's team. So, uh, guys, is there anything else? The other thing I was going to just bring up with uh, was uh, Derek Dennis. His first game back, I believe, as a Calgary Stampeder against the team that sat him for a year, essentially. Uh, anything else there for storylines that you guys have uh, for the Elks or the Stampeders trip? No, just to kind of touch on the quarterback again, like I think it's a very interesting talk. I know Brian seems to be uh, pretty adamant that they should pull him, and I do, I do, or they will pull him. I, I do see both sides, you know. I like yeah, that's going to be another interesting one. Do you want Trey, like again, do you want Trey Ford to be in there for 60 minutes and risking hurting himself, or do you go back to the other comment? Do we have certain packages, right? And I think you need specific mindsets, like the last, you know, the Bombers had specific uh, plays for Strebler that other guys can't do, right, or couldn't do, right? You can't maybe – maybe Drew Brown can do them now. But you know what I mean? Other guys couldn't necessarily do them. So it kind of depends on what the team has. And you also need a mentality, right? Like you said, you got to be knowing the clipboard. Oh, sorry, not Adam and just no Jones. Sorry, but you know what I mean, though. You're pretty confident that he's going to get pulled there. So, yeah, I wrong word, but you know what I mean. So, you know – Ryan, just take it away because I now, I now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we can't t- round up talking about the Calgary Sam Peters side of this and not mention Bo Levi Mitchell. It's a staple of every podcast, so we have to do it briefly here. Um, that that's one thing I'm looking for. Is it seemed kind of second half that Bo Levi Mitchell was back, so to say, last week when they they came back against the Tie Cats. You know, vintage Bo. Uh, can he string that together for a second straight game here and, and you know, or second straight, third straight, et cetera, game and uh, start, you know, quieting some of the naysayers that uh, are speaking pretty loudly these days is definitely something we're watching here, uh, I think, on this game between Calgary and Edmonton. I guess I should make the point because I've been a naysayer of Bo Levi on this show. So maybe I'll do some reverse psychology and say uh, he's going to have a great game and watch him not have one. 
So, you know, he's going to throw for 400 yards this game, you know, five, uh, five touchdowns, boys, you know, and it, it put him in your fantasy now. It's, it's, it's going to be that week. As a guy that has uh, Bo Levi in his weekly fantasy, I hope that you're completely wrong about that, uh, Trey, and that he has an excellent week. But nevertheless, uh, we're going to end off this week here in uh, beautiful British Columbia, where the Toronto Argonauts are visiting the British Columbia Lions. And of course, there is a lot, and I mean a lot of hype about the BC Lions. Of course, Nathan Rourke deserves a lot of that. I uh, had a cool little video of Farhan Laji today showing him, I think it's four hours after the practice ended, that he's still out there throwing balls or moving around in the pocket, doing what he has to do to prepare to be ready for the Argonauts. Uh, but again, big week that first week against the Edmonton Elks. Yes, it was the Edmonton Elks, but you showed, you made a, you didn't just go and uh, beat the Elks, you made a statement and beat the Elks. Uh, you had a beautiful run by uh, James Butler. You've had a uh, run game by James Butler. You had uh, 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 Keon Hatcher get some points in there as well and get some big yards. We didn't even mention Lucky Whitehead or Brian Burnham yet. Uh, is this a permanent thing, do you guys think? Or is this going to be a uh, temporary thing on field? Let's face it, what uh, the owner of the BC Lions has done, Brian, is absolutely incredible. The guy has got people just, uh, what do you call it, just salivating, waiting for another BC Lions game, which is awesome. But is the on-field performance going to stay up there, guys? Or was that a, the BC Lions played the Edmonton Elks thing? Uh, Ryan, let's go with you first. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the attendance for this game is going to be because they had the bye week after that monstrous uh, week one performance in front of a massive crowd, right? How many of those people are coming back and what kind of show are they going to treat them to out on the field? Uh, it's hard to know what to expect from Nathan Rourke. We've seen two fantastic starts in his career, I think, uh, out of the three games he's started. and I, I might be slightly off on the numbers, but... Those two have come against the Edmonton Elks end of last season and the third of three games in a week and uh, week one this year. I haven't really seen them uh, against much else. We've only seen Toronto. You know, both these teams have actually only played one game this season. So I don't know if we really know what to expect from either of them. I'm not expecting five touchdowns from Nathan Rourke and four from James Butler and 59 points or whatever it was on offense again, I'll tell you that. But I'm excited to see the pieces they have out there on the field because I think if his offensive line can give him enough time and he's got the legs, you know, to and the movability, uh, Rourke's got all the talent he needs around him with James Butler, Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, etc., to succeed out there on offense. And uh, I think their defensive backfield is one of the tops in the league. So, yeah, I think the excitement is justified from what we've seen thus far. Ask me about it after, you know, the next couple of weeks if I still feel the same. Trey? I think they'll come down to earth, but I don't think they're going to be a terrible team. You know, I think I don't think they're going to have exactly like the performance they've had uh, two weekends ago. But I think, you know, this, this is another game. I think it's a proved game. You know, is Toronto the team that should have lost that game? Or are they a team better than that? And then is BC really the team that's going to beat everyone 60 nothing or 60 10 or whatever it was right so i think it's a prove me game i think it'll be a good one um yeah i think it'll come down to earth i think toronto's gonna put up more of a fight but like again is toronto gonna be the team that should have lost to montreal or are they gonna be the team that you know gives harris the ball 
40 times and he runs for 500 yards, right? It depends on what Toronto does. And I think, uh, but I think the BC should pull, come away with this one. If we're going to be honest, and we'll talk about it later with the betting, but I think BC should put on a good show. I'm still wanting to see what they do against the team that isn't named the Edmonton Elks. I think before I go and uh, anoint them as the uh, league leader and all that, uh, I think they're a pretty good team. I think that, uh, that they've got, they've seen uh, flashes and they had a year last year to rebuild uh, Nathan work on a good, uh, good little bit of exposure to the league last year. And I think he's ready to build upon that. I still really have, like you said before, Ryan questions about that offensive line. I think if there's anything that's going to cause the BC lines to kind of fall back to earth, could be that uh, they've got the receiving court of the uh, elite team. Uh, James Butler. I mean, let's see what he does in his second game. I'm kind of a little questionable about that. I don't think, of course, that he's going to get what he did the last game. But if he maintains that 75 to 80 yards a game, that gives the BC Lions a pretty good opportunity, especially with a mobile quarterback that's going to get a lot of wide receive or a lot of rev, uh, receivers open because you got to watch Nathan Rourke running around in the backfield. So it'll be very interesting to see what all happens in here. But I still think that they, uh, I don't know if I've got them quite up as high as. Uh, Maybe what BC fans have them as right now. Uh, from what BC fans that I've heard, they're probably already planning the uh, parade. Hopefully they aren't doing that. Anyways, the other one on the other side of the football is the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, this week, Andrew Harris has been limited in practice uh, with a ankle injury, which is huge news for the Toronto Argonauts. That could be really bad. Uh, however, they've had a lot of injuries so far this year. Eric Rogers has been injured. Uh, we've heard of Devaris Daniels being injured. Uh, lots of pieces in that Toronto Argonauts lineup. Uh, we've got four offensive linemen, three D linemen, five wide receivers, two linebackers, one D uh, defensive back, and now potentially two running backs that are hurt. What? What? A, for and they, by the way, they've only played one game all season so far. So, if you're the Toronto Argonauts, what are you doing to get yourself prepared coming into this one? Uh, Trey, what do you think? Well, we'll touch on Harris. Yeah, I think he was limited, but I believe, like uh, Ryan mentioned earlier about Willie Jefferson, I feel like he was a guy that was always kind of had the red mark beside his name in Winnipeg, right? Kind of on the sheet. So, you never know what you can expect from him, them. And let's be honest, even if he's hurt, he's going to do everything he can to get onto the field. And is he really going to play much different if he's out there? So I'm not too concerned about Harris, but the rest, yeah, you got to worry about that. And that's a long list for one one game. But at the same time, like you said, they had the buy, so they also had – they're not deeper in the hole. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm expecting Toronto to come out and play this week. You know, I still think BC will get it, and I think they'll get the job done. But I think Toronto will still come out and play. And like I'm not, I'm not a big guy on the whole injury list. It's football. Next man up. You gotta go out there. Yeah. So at some point, if you're missing your superstars and your all stars, it's gonna hurt you. But that's the point of having scouts and coaches. You gotta put your next man up. And that's what I think Toronto's gonna have to do this week against BC. Ryan. I'm not too concerned uh, because I think the Argos are a very deep team across the board. Uh, you know, I look at the guys on the injured list and I look at who they still have out there. And I think they're still fielding an excellent team. You talk about guys like, yeah, Eric Rogers is on the six game injured list of ours. Daniels maybe being a little bit nicked up there. 
you've got Curly Gittins Jr. at wide receiver. You've got Brandon Banks in there. You've got Marquise Ambles, who they brought in. You have a guy, you know, Cam Phillips uh, got a start in last week at three catches, 30-ish yards there. I thought a couple of nice plays in there. So uh, you've got quite a few guys stepping up across the board. Now, the, the one I am most uh, maybe concerned about is if Andrew Harris isn't quite ready to go because then you're looking at a rookie backup there, right? Daniel Adababoy, I believe is how you pronounce that. I apologize if I did so incorrectly. I will learn his name fully. Um, you know, drafted second round, I think, in the draft this year. Uh, got in late in the game in Harris's absence. I, I think didn't look too bad, but he's still a fresh running back, you know, first year in the league here. So what an opportunity for him, though, hey, to be drafted by a team that's got an aging running back who struggles to stay healthy for most of the season. And you can get in for some reps here and there. Great learning experience for him, especially with Harris as a mentor there. So uh, I'm excited to see how he develops as the season goes along uh, if, you know, Harris is battling injury here and there. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that uh, the Toronto Argonauts, if it's Andrew Harris that's hurt, that's a big, big problem for the Toronto Argonauts. Let's face it, like I've been saying quite a bit on this podcast, it's not just the run game. It's not just the pass game. It's the block game as well for Andrew Harris. And uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson could use that extra little bit of time. Uh, not saying that he has a bad offensive line in front of him, but let's face it, you've got Andrew Harris blocking for you. That sure gives you an extra little bit of time. Uh, other than that, though, you're right, uh, Trey. I think if you've got – it's best man up. I mean, and you just go with the next guy. You play the football. And we said this with Saskatchewan and with Winnipeg. They're going to go and they're going to get another offensive lineman in there and they're going to play a good game. It's next man up. If everybody's got to be prepared a little bit for an injury, right? Uh, you never know when you're going to get your opportunity in the CFL. And that's how you develop cool new players that are real exciting for the future. So it's great to see that uh, some of the other guys are going to get an opportunity. It always sucks to see that players are hurt. But nevertheless, it's, uh, it's football, right? Uh, guys, I'm just going to run through it real quickly. Uh, CFL-wide, is there anything that you uh, have seen throughout the first two weeks of the CFL that uh, either has you concerned or that you got you happy? Uh, one thing I just wanted to quickly bring up was the hash mark thing idea was well on point. I really enjoy watching those hash marks being that close together. I think it's going to open up the playbook a lot more as the season progresses. So uh, kudos to the CFL for doing that one. Uh, Trey? What things in the CFL have you seen that uh, good, bad, or ugly? Well, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel uh, some of the refing side. I was just going to ask that. I don't know if the refing's been that terrible this year, but Ryan maybe disagrees. But I, I just I haven't heard much outcry uh, for the refing in the CFL. What I find more is the new, like the 2022 rules, right? Like it, the ticky tacky roughing the passers and pass interference, but that's not quite on the refs. I think that's the rules, right? So I think the refing has been actually an improvement, but maybe I'm wrong guys. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> better than MLB. It's way better than the strike zone in the major league baseball right now. I'll say that. At least there hasn't been nobody eject. Well, there's been one ejection, I guess. Not like today where you shake hands with the umpires and then probably get ejected. Yeah, at least Anyways, it wasn't the coin toss, right? The coin toss, yeah. Um, for me, yeah, I don't know if I've noticed too much either way on the refing or on the rules here. But what I've noticed through two weeks is two pretty exciting weeks of close games for the most part. And 
Yeah, and there was a few that weren't necessarily close. You know, that Edmonton BC game wasn't, but that was exciting for its own reasons, unless you were an Elks fan uh, in that one. So it's been two exciting weeks. We saw it, we've seen a couple of games with some major offense that I don't think we quite saw it explode as much early in the season last year. So uh, I'm excited to see maybe a little more offense as much as I love the defensive play as well and uh, just see how things continue on here for all of these teams going forward. And, and specifically, you know, Toronto, BC, I'm really excited to see a second game from these two teams because they're two teams that excite me in a lot of ways. And uh, I want to see more uh, from them and see uh, what kind of efforts they put out this week. Um, let's move on to our CFL fantasy segment here. Uh, talking through the best options of the week for week number three. Uh, I do not have the fantasy charts this week, folks. Uh, they are under maintenance right now. I'm trying to improve my process for doing so, so that it doesn't take me too much time late in the evenings to, uh, to put that all together every week. So the, the stat sheets are a bit of a mess right now. I'm working through those. Uh, and hopefully we'll have that back in the near future. But we'll still talk through the top options at each position based on the CFL Fantasy website. So let's take a look at the quarterbacks here to start, boys. Uh, this week, Cody Fajardo, the most expensive quarterback on the board at nearly $12,000. Uh, lowest price starter is Nick Arbuckle at just uh, over 7900 it's a bit of an interesting week. You've got Trevor Harris getting a start for Montreal here. We're seeing Nathan Rourke, who put up 40-something in week one, back for another game. Uh, Dane Evans lit it up last week. You know, believe by Mitchell bounce back. A lot of these guys had bounce back games last week. I have a tough time with the quarterback position, go, deciding where to go here. Fajardo seems like he could be the one to have the top overall point total, you know, against an Alouettes team that's beat up on offense that you might see the, the riders out there on the field offensively quite a bit, but his price is a little expensive for me. My top play, I think, is Nathan Rourke again at 9,869. Uh, you know, he runs the ball a lot, he uses his legs, picked up two rushing touchdowns, I think it was last game. That's money in fantasy if you can get your quarterback running there as well. So, He's a lot more expensive than he was a few weeks ago, but I think Nathan Rourke is still one of my top options because he's got that big playability and a couple of big names like Whitehead and Burnham there. Uh, other than that, you know, Bethel Thompson against that BC defensive backfield. I don't love that. I'm not going Trevor Harris against Saskatchewan. Caleros, Mitchell, those are two guys, good quarterbacks, but not fantasy superstars. I may look at, you know, Dane Evans again against that Winnipeg defense that hasn't put up a ton of pressure. He comes in second cheapest, $8,000 at quarterback. Put up a big game, big total, 27 points last week. Uh, defense that gives up a lot of yards in Winnipeg. Hasn't given up a ton of touchdowns, so that concerns me. But if I'm looking, you know, not loving any of these options, I'm going for maybe the best cheap option I can find. And to me, that might be Dane Evans. Uh, Trey, what do you think at quarterback here for uh, fantasy this week? Yeah, as of now, I got Nathan Rourke sitting in there. And I think that's a good, I'm surprised he doesn't, isn't valued more, but maybe it's just the one game and no overreaction to one game. But I was also eyeing up Bo Levi, you know, they got that against that Edmonton defense and, I know I just said I hope that he doesn't have a great week, but maybe he does. You know, like I said, it could go one of two ways. Like Edmonton can come up with the big win against the provincial rival, or 
Calgary's just going to absolutely slaughter the Elks because they're a provincial rival. Like, it doesn't matter, right? So, yeah, if it wasn't – it's Rourke, and then my number two would be Mitchell. If I had to throw a three, probably David Evans, like you said. Like, that would be my top three. Um, Adam. You know, I think I'm looking at that, and I'm worried I'm going to be considered Ryan from the Horseman's podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm going with Bo Levi Mitchell, $8,614, reasonable price for Bo Levi, I think, who could possibly torch an Edmonton Elks defense. Uh, I think I'm going to probably end up sticking with Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, yeah, my second choice is Nathan Rourke, though, if I do have to adjust a few things to make that happen. But uh, I really don't mind him as well, just because you do have a banged up Argonauts team also coming into uh, BC. So either one, I think, would be a pretty good choice. But uh, for now, yeah, it's Bo. I have such a hard time. I don't know if I'll ever go Bo Levi's direction, man. I, I, I just can't as a fantasy player myself based on his production the past couple of seasons. He can put up a good game. He put up, I don't have a number off the top of my head, but I want to say like 18 points last week. Solid production around his price point. I hope to see him do it again this week. And, you know, the matchup's good. Uh, so uh, maybe it is a better option to consider than I had mentioned. Uh, let's take a look at the running backs here for fantasy this week. Most expensive, again, is Andrew Harris at 10744 James Butler, his week one performance has uh, thrown him up there as the second most expensive running back at 9000 Kadeem Carey around 8500 Jamal Moore has shot up as well after his big game last week. He's at 6700 uh, he's ahead of James Wilder, Sean Thomas Erlington, uh, you know, around the $6,000 range. Brady Oliveira, $5,200. Jeshron Antwi, $4,600 as you go down the charts there. Tough week again at running back. The one clear favorite I'm absolutely putting in my lineup is Jamal Morrow against, again, I think the Riders are going to have a big game against Montreal this week, I think. Montreal's offense is going to stall. They're going to punt the ball a decent amount, and Morrow will pick up some return yards. I also think they need to use him on offense some more. So I like the game script there to go Jamal Morrow's direction. But then I might need your guys' help here on the other pick because I'm really puzzled where to go with my second running back. I like to go cheaper if I can so I can spend the money at wide receiver, but there's no real cheap running back. Like the cheapest starter available to you is Jeshron Antwi. I was kind of hoping that Kadeem Carey would maybe be out this week so you could get $4,000 Peyton Logan in there against the Elks. Um, but I think you're going to have to spend big at running back in this game. Uh, Kadeem Carey, I really like the matchup with Edmonton. I mentioned how their run defense has been rough this year. I think Carey has had a good start to the season. He's probably the other running back I'm looking to fit in my lineup right now. Also trying to see if I, you know, play it risky and go for a very cheap option. Like, you know, maybe the backup running back in Toronto, Daniel Adebayo. Uh, You know, if Andrew Harris is a little nicked up, $3,500. Or their kick returner, Javon Leak, to just try to get some points for a cheap salary to fit other things into my lineup. Uh, let's start with you, Adam. What are you looking at for running back this week? Well, this week, I think I'm uh, doing one like you just said. Jamal Morrow is a very good choice right now against the Montreal Alouettes. Surprise, surprise, the rider guy's taking a rider, I know. Uh, nevertheless, though, I think that he's going to have another good game against the Alouettes defensive line. Uh, if he does, he's going to get a lot of points. And 
Oddly enough, uh, Saskatchewan has had a tendency of getting their first kickoff return for a touchdown in Montreal. I was looking up a little bit of weird stats by uh, a uh, former play-by-play uh, -play guy, and that was one of them, that uh, Saskatchewan gets a lot of uh, kickoff returns in Montreal and Percival Stadium. So I'm going to go with Jamal Morrow on that one side. On the other side of things, though, I'm I like spending my money on running backs. Uh, Kadeem Carey is just too good of an option to uh, pass up on. The Edmonton Elks have given up a lot of yards on the run game. Um, and again, I don't see that trend uh, uh, staying out uh, for any length of time. I think they're still going to give up quite a few yards this week on the run. Uh, it might be a little better, but the, even if they're a little better, that's still probably 100-plus yards for Kadeem Carey, who the uh, Calgary Stampeders seem to like watching them run the ball. So uh, those are my two choices. My third, if I got to go with one, um, would be Brady Oliveira. The reason being is Winnipeg hasn't used him much yet, and they're going to do it one of these games. Uh, against Hamilton, just might be the game. However, the reason I'm not choosing him right now is Hamilton had a really good game against Jamal Morrow and the Riders, uh, and the run game especially. So that worries me a little bit about picking picking Oliveira. But that being said, uh, Trey. Who are you grabbing this week? Well, great minds think alike. Jamal Morrow is my number one guy right now uh, as we're looking at it. Uh, to add to a point Ryan made, I'm hoping, because we talked about um, Trevor Harris not being a very mobile guy, I'm hoping they give the ball a lot to Deshaun Antwi, and maybe that balances it out. You're right. It might be a lot of two and outs, but if he's picking up seven, eight yards, you know, and then punting it, you know, that's still fantasy points, right? So, that's that's where that's the play I might go as uh, the two running backs in that Saskatchewan Montreal game and hopefully the it's just going to be a power football game and those guys get a lot of yards. Uh, third guy, if I had to pick one, I'm staying away from the Bombers. Like, uh, like I can't go with either of those guys because yeah, Oliveira might have a game, but you put Oliveira in and watch it be Johnny Augustine that decides to have the game, right? So I don't want to blow that. Oh, I'm, I'm not even going to pick a third because those guys are way too priced. I'm not putting Andrew Harris in. I'm not putting James Butler in. If he's uh, healthy, I'm not putting Carey in. I'm not putting Wilder in. And uh, because and then I'm not putting uh, Thomas Erlington in because they don't run the ball, right? So, yeah, I think those are my two guys. Like It's Morrow and Antwi. It's locked in. Are you sure you want to put Antwi against the set, uh, defensive line of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to actually change that because I have Saskatchewan's defense in. So that is very counterproductive on my part. You're welcome. Um, I know. It's very tough. But who else do you go with? Like, I don't want to go with the Bombers because, like I said, they split it. And you flip a coin and it could be either guy. Harris is going to eat up your salary. Like, I'm just look, I don't even know who to go with. The running, the running situation of the CFL this year is really odd. Until like, I see that injury, honestly, I was looking at Harris too. But then I was like, yeah, no, I don't think I get the injury. Yeah, so I don't. I I might just go with Antwi and just like I say, like hope he picks up something. And because again, I'm between the Winnipeg and Saskatchewan defense, so maybe I'll lead to Winnipeg just so I don't have my defense going up against my running back. I guess, but I don't know. A, it's not the end of the world to have it go up against your running back. If they put up yards, it's not going to hurt your defense in yeah. terms of, of fantasy tools. They start putting up the, the the touchdowns maybe a little bit. Uh, Couple of concerns I do have. So I was thinking Jeshron Antwi as well. 
Uh, but that Riders defense scares me. Also, also, Walter Fletcher is on the depth chart now for Montreal as well. So could we see another time split between those two guys who was brought in this past week? Uh, Adam, you were mentioning Kadeem Carey before as well. My one concern, if he is still a little bit injured, which I think he's been participating well in practice, you know, if, if this game gets away from them, are they resting him and putting in Peyton Logan, who looked good last week as well? So it's fine balance at running back this week. There's some interesting options, but uh, tough to gauge in a timeshare there. Let's take a look at the wide receivers this week. Uh, a lot of different uh, directions to go. I think we should break the, you know, normally we break this up game by game. Maybe we'll look at kind of high-priced receivers, middle price, and, and then your real cheap value plays here. Uh, Braylon Addison's the most expensive at $11,348. Um, the one high, I don't love a lot of the high-priced receivers over $10,000 in fantasy. Uh, you know, you've got Eugene Lewis, Reggie Bagleton, Kenny Waller. Duke Williams right up there. It's really hard to hit your fantasy totals there. Uh, based on my, you know, my value metric of you need two and a half points per thousand dollars, you're needing 25, 30 points out of these guys. I don't love that. The top price receiver over $8,000 or $7,000 that I like the most is probably Greg Ellingson of the Bombers. He's 8924 This week is his price. He's got touchdowns and back-to-back games. He's Zach Caleros's pretty clearly number one target through two games so far. So you should probably expect more of the same from him. Other than that, you know, you got Brian Burnham, Lucky Whitehead right around that price. I don't think either of those are bad options as well. I would probably lean towards Whitehead uh, because he gets more involved in different ways than Burnham does. But in terms of the high priced receivers this week, those are kind of the only two I'm strongly considering Maybe Tim White at 77-46, who had a monster game last week and is going up against a Bombers defense that gives up the, the receiving yards. Uh, Adam, what about you at the, the high-priced receivers here? You know, I'm not really going to go with anybody. I know that uh, Duke Williams is playing this week uh, for the Rough Riders, and I think he'll be probably a pretty good target. However, I've got to spend some money, I think, like I said before, on my running game. So I'm probably not going to take anybody really expensive. If anybody, like I say, Duke Williams is a possibility. Kenny Lawler would be an interesting one, uh, just because I think if anybody, uh, probably for Edmonton, he probably might have a game again against the Stamps. Uh, but that being said, really none of the expensive ones I'm after this week, uh, just because, again, I'm spending so much money probably in my running game. Trey, what about you? Yeah, I'm not going heavy either because I think my highest, my most expensive receiver right now is at 6,800 and that's Brandon Banks, right? So I think I'm going to leave that there. I don't, I really don't like any of the top guys in the salary form of fantasy, right? You kind of want to spread it out and go with middle guys for the most part. So again, like kind of with the running back, who who would you be willing to take the big money on? Like, yeah, sure. You could do Kenny Lawler, Bagleton, Addison, but like, like, you know, when Ryan has his charts up, they have to make so many points to really be worth it. Right. So, uh, my highest guy is Brandon Banks. And I think I'm going to leave it as that. Yeah, and you can you can often save some money. Like you're looking at Braylon Addison at eleven thousand, or you're looking at Tim White at seventy seven hundred. I'm more way more often am I going Tim White's direction because I think their production is going to be roughly equal, and that's four thousand dollars you're saving just as an example there. So I think you can find cheaper plays at a variety of positions. You're kind of looking at the middle of the pack. I really like what you mentioned about Brandon Banks because he is still, I think, a very moderate price here. I think he's the third 
um, third most expensive receiver on the Argos. DeVars Daniels is a little bit more. Curly Gittins Jr. is a little bit more. Brandon Banks had a touchdown. It looked good in his debut last week for the Argos. So uh, if I'm, I'm scared of that matchup with BC's uh, defensive backs a little bit. But I, I do like Banks as probably my top option for the Argos for this week. Shaq Evans has to continue to be in consideration as a great kind of middle-priced option at 6200 especially if Duke Williams isn't ready to go again. Uh, seems to be the go-to receiver there. Uh, I'll, I'll say, guys, I'm staying away from here at that middle price. I'm not going Nick Dembski. I'm not going Rasheed Bailey until they either of those guys get going for Winnipeg. Like two weeks in a row, they've struggled. They're not putting up the value for you there. Um and then, you know, uh, of above $4,500, the only other one, Keon Schaefer-Baker. He's been a good value play this far. Salary's rising a little bit, but I still like him as one of the top receivers in Saskatchewan. Uh, what about you at the middle price here, Trey? No, exactly. You're reading off my lineup at Brandon Banks and Schaefer-Baker, right? And Adam's caught me hooked on Schaefer-Baker. You know, I really, they're one, he's turning into that guy that if I can ever see him in a blue and gold jersey, I might take that, right? You know, he's, He's picking up some solid yards and his price is still not crazy high. And yeah, like you said, I'm staying away from Dembski and Bailey and I'm, I'm staying away from probably every bomber receiver, except for the guy I'm going to have when we talk about low price still. So yeah, that's I hammer on the nail right there, man. Uh, Adam. Just you guys keep your hands off of Schaefer Baker because I make sure that he's going to stay in Saskatchewan for a very long time. I hope so. Anyways, no, I liked how they used him actually in a few different plays. Uh, last week they were running him out of the backfield they're running him out in the front they were doing all sorts of weird things but you know what just proves that the guy's very versatile uh no i've got schaefer baker on my lineup again this week uh and there's reason behind it he's been one of the better bigger playmakers for the rough riders he always seems to get some yards after the catch no he's definitely going to be on my lineup this week otherwise uh there's really not a whole lot in the middle even that i can really say that i'm interested in but I've got two very interesting, uh, reasonable price guys that uh, that I've been that I'm going to be going with. I think you guys probably guess who one is, but uh, we'll see which is the other right away. Yeah, and the, the let's look at the rest of the field here at wide receiver. Sorry, do you have something to add? There, I have one question: Is is I know he's a uh, cornerback, but is Deron Carter still hurt or is he playing? No, he's hurt, but he's uh, he's still hurt. I don't think he's, he's hurt. Okay, just because on fantasy it just says it didn't say he was hurt anymore. So it's like I was wondering. I don't think I'd spend six thousand on him, but if he <laughs> but if he would look because if he that's what they have him as, and he's not even playing. But if he was that twenty five hundred, I'd almost be tempted if uh, <laughs> Ace Chris Jones put him in for one or two plays, right, and he gets the touchdown. But no, that's fine. No. If he's still hurt, he's staying away. Knowing Chris Jones. Uh, I'll get him for $3,000 as a quarterback yet this year. <laughs> it's so absurd that he's available as a wide receiver in CFL fantasy. It's my favorite thing when looking at the list every week. Uh, I really think, you know, let's look at the less, rest of the field at wide receiver. Uh, there's a lot of good value plays this week, and it allows you to spend more at running back, which you kind of need to this week. Uh, a couple of the more key ones to me that I'm looking at, one of the top value plays, one of the first guys that went to lock into my lineup this week is Reggie White Jr. of the Montreal Alouettes at $4,244. No Jake Winicky, no uh, potentially no Eugene Lewis. I think he'll play. Trevor Harrison at quarterback. Harrison White Jr. kind of had a good connection down the stretch last season. He's produced very well thus far this season. You know, 
9.1 points week one, 14.3 last week. He's at a moderate price, $4,200. I, I, I want him in my lineup this week. I think he's going to be Trevor Harris's, one of his go-to targets. I like Keon Hatcher out in BC at 3,600. You know, if you're not going to spend big on, on Lucky Whitehead or Brian Burnham or Dominique Grimes, it's a much cheaper play. Should get in, you know, even if you get three, four catches for 40 yards, you're hitting your value here with Keon Hatcher. I think he's got some big play potential there. And uh, the other one here uh, is uh, I cannot believe this guy is still $2,500. And I think I know we're all thinking along the same path here. It's Dalton Schoen of the Bombers. Uh, Behind Greg Ellingson, he's been the number two guy at wide receiver. He's crushed his value through two weeks thus far. And uh, even if, you know, Dembski or Bailey gets going here, uh, a couple catches and he's hitting value, a couple more, and he's he's making you bank, and you're, you're taking that one uh, all day long. Uh, Adam, what about you here uh, for the cheaper value plays at receiver? Oh, you guessed him. Uh, Dalton Schoen is definitely on my list this week. I mean, how that guy is only $2,500 at the moment is still beyond me, but TSN, keep him at $2,500, please, because I need him in my lineup. Uh, the other one that uh, you did mention there is Keon Hatcher. I, have, I I see some big things out of this guy. I mean, touchdown in his first game, had a pretty good game in that first one, had some good yardage. I Definitely, to me, is worth the $3,600, I believe it is, uh, for him as well. Uh, another one, if you're, a, uh, if you're a Ryder fan and you have to take all green, uh, one to keep in mind for you would be uh, Mitchell Pickton. He had some big yards last week, had the touchdown from the Elks, and I think could possibly have a pretty good game, depending on how much uh, Duke Williams is in there for. Uh, the U of R grad looked pretty good last week, and I think he probably will look good this week. So, yeah, you Ryder fans that have to pick Ryder, Ryder players, pick Picton. I just got, I, I'm going to keep going with Dalton Schoen until that price goes up, and I hope the Bombers offer him a 10-year contract. Like I think he's, he's been playing fantastic for a guy who for a guy who's just come in and you know I remember sitting there in the preseason game, I believe 83. I was like, who the heck is 83? He keeps catching the ball, keeps catching the ball. I kept checking the Dalton Shion, Dalton Shion. Like you know what is this guy's name? And now he's been making an impact two weeks in. That's a ridiculous price. I mean, like I said, if the Bombers can sign him for 2,500 for the next 10 years, they should do that. But uh, I know that's not how it works. Uh, yeah, other guys than that, I, I don't, I honestly, again, I've had my eye on Dalton Schoen. I can't really tell you who else I'd go for. I do like Picton. Uh, you made a great point with that. Now you're making me question a little bit, but I think I'm going to keep, uh, it'll definitely be the Dalton Schoen show on my team for the rest of the season. All right, let's move on to the defenses to round it out here for the CFL fantasy talk. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are $4,340. The Riders are $3,870. The Lions are 37.88. The Stampeders 32.44. The rest of the board straight at 3,200. Uh, top options for me this week. I went straight to the Riders. They've been uh, they've put up the most sacks in the league thus far. I'm not a believer in Trevor Harris at this point, and think he's going to be on the ground quite a few times in this game. I also don't think they're going to put a ton of points up on the board. The Riders haven't given up a ton of points really thus far so uh that was the obvious pick to me uh other than that uh you know if you're really strapped for cash and you're looking at one of the 3200 plays there toronto montreal hamilton or edmonton 
I'm probably honestly not going to any of those. If anything, I'm going to Calgary, who's $44 more up against the Elks defense, right, to uh, to get a, a big game there based on the matchup. Uh, Trey, what about you here on defense? No, I'm going to be wearing a watermelon tomorrow night on my head uh, all night, and the only thing I hope for is Deshaun Antwi getting a ton of yards but no touchdowns, right? So we talked about earlier, I, I can't see why Saskatchewan isn't the highest-valued uh defense it must just be off of bomb, blue bombers reputation at this point and i guess some of their players on the field but yeah it's the Saskatchewan's game if i had to go with the cheaper one i'd go with edmonton when jerron carter comes back but other than that i don't really want to go with any of them uh maybe hamilton just because winnipeg hasn't put up tons of points this year i'd maybe lean to them and but then watch caleros decide to have a game so yeah gonna be a uh, green and white in my uh my house tomorrow Let's face it, 13 sacks, and you've got Trevor Harris, who they probably are just waiting for. Uh, if he doesn't get sacked before pregame, it might be a might be a rarity. Uh, let's face it, I'm going to go with the Rough Riders defense. I mean, uh, there's just nobody else right now that you can really go with uh, that can give you the results that the Riders can. Uh, I was thinking about it just as a quick thought was to try to figure out how to get Andrew Harris on the lineup. I would have to go with the Calgary Stampeders. And I was like, yeah, no, I got to go with the Riders just because they are so, so uh, night and day above defenses right now. Now, again, that's going to be later on in the year. I'm probably going to be saying something different maybe. But for now, it's the Riders all the way. All right, that does it for our fantasy preview. Of course, we are playing in a couple fantasy leagues this season. We have our, we did our fantasy draft here on the podcast before the season. We're we're going through that week by week here. We had one waiver wire transaction. Adam talked about Keon Hatcher a little bit before. Has picked them up in our uh, little fantasy here. Put Eric Rogers on the uh, the IR because he's on the six game injured list. Uh, so a new addition for Adam there and Keon Hatcher in the uh, CFL podcast fantasy league. The three of us are uh, all involved in that as well with uh, fourteen other folks from around the variety of CFL podcasts. Uh, this week, I've got uh, Daltz from the Rouge Radio podcast. Adam's got Zach Schnitzer from Bonfire Sports. And uh, Trey's got uh, the fellas over from the X's and Argos. So uh, best of luck to all of us. Let's see if we can make it two straight weeks with a win for all three of us there. Of course, check out those great podcasts and all of the other great shows uh, from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well. Uh, let's round out the show with our picks and our bets here. Uh, take it away, Trey. I lost the screen. There it is. I lost my screen. Yep, there we go. We're good. Ah, uh, yeah, we got um, the picks. So we're going to start with the Thursday nighter, Saskatchewan going into Montreal. The line changed a little bit this week. It was three and a half. It's moved to three. So I'll give you guys minus three on Saskatchewan. They are favorite in Montreal. I'm going to take, like I said, the green and white and wear the watermelon and play some banjo tomorrow night. Uh, start with Adam to go first on this one. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm the same way. I mean, let's face it, the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense is just too scary to uh, watch what's probably going to happen to uh, Trevor Harris and uh uh, Mr. Stern, if you're watching, I sincerely apologize. Uh, I can't pick your uh, Montreal Alouettes this week. Uh, maybe next week. We'll see. Oh, wait. They play the Riders again. Probably the week after that. So, no, I'm going with the Riders. 
if you've listened to anything I've said throughout this podcast today, I think you know what direction I'm going here. I don't think this one's close. This is my blowout of the week. I've got the Riders by 14, 17, something like that in this one. Uh, if they can play, if they can play the full game here, unlike they did the past couple of weeks, uh, wouldn't be surprised also to see close to the end and then the Riders, you know, put the pedal to the metal at the end. But uh, either way, whichever direction this goes, I'm taking Saskatchewan here, even against the spread. Awesome, guys. Yeah, that's what we all got. Move on to the next one. Hamilton and Winnipeg, the Grey Cup rematch, the couple Grey Cup rematch, and a whiteout in Winnipeg. I think this one moved, too. I think it was at four, but now it's at four and a half. Favored to Winnipeg at minus four and a half. I got to go with the Winnipeg in this one. I uh, blew it last week and didn't go with them, and that's why you never bet on your favorite team. But I think Winnipeg should easily win this one by a touchdown range again the four and a half is kind of a tight one now let's go to ryan first on this one i if i'm going the straight up pick ignoring the line here i'm taking the bombers but uh what bombers have to win by five technically here i think i'm gonna go hamilton uh for that i could see maybe winnipeg by a field goal i could also see a lot of ways that hamilton wins this game off of uh some of the efforts they put forward last week as well so Concerned about Michael Couture being out on that offensive line a little bit. What that means for the Bombers offense and the defense has to wake up a little here also. So, uh, yeah, I'll take a close game here and uh, maybe we'll see another Mark Leggio uh, game-winning field goal here for the Bombers as his uh, legacy continues. I think I'm going to go with Ryan on this one as well. I'm going to go with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Dane Evans there had shown me a little bit of a flash there. For the first three or two and a half quarters, roughly, uh, he did actually have a pretty good game. Uh, Tim White also had a pretty good game in the uh, in the uh, receiving core as well. So you know what? I think I'm just going to take the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I don't know if I'll take them outright. I still think that they're going to cover though. And uh, the Bombers, uh, you know what? There's going to be some questions after this game. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, I like it, guys. I like when we're different. I think worst week we were all the same, and now the last couple of weeks we're getting a little different. So that's good. Next game, Edmonton at Calgary. This one, they got Calgary minus eight and a half at home. I actually don't even have this one officially decided yet. I said I was going to do it live on the show. I'm going to go. Hmm, I'm going to go with Edmonton to cover. Eight and a half is a lot, boys. Actually, you know what? I'll let you guys go first, and I want to hear yours. Let's go with Adam first. What do you think? Well, that's just because I'm leading this thing right now. That's why Trey wants to go with me first. You know what? I've been debating this one, too, to be honest. Uh, it is such a eight and a half, correct? I said that right. Uh, you know what? I've been going back and forth on this and back and forth. You know what? At Calgary, by a touchdown, isn't a whole lot if Edmonton does have the game that they had against BC. Uh, but that being said, Edmonton did look better against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I still say the Riders are a pretty good team uh, this season. Maybe, again, a little bit in the offense that I'm a little concerned about. But you know what? The Elks played a good game. Kenny Lawler had a good game. Uh, Nick Ardbuckle didn't have anywhere near the picks that he had against the BC Lions. They're improving. I'm going to take the Elks to cover. But they aren't going to win. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Adam here. Uh, Edmonton, that like again, the, the the point spread here is what trips me up. I have Calgary winning this game, but uh, I I think it's a lot closer. You know, last week uh, the point line was around the same thing for Edmonton and Saskatchewan, and uh, it came down to the wire there. The Riders almost didn't. 
pull out the the, the win against the spread there, right? So uh, Calgary, we've debated it a lot. Uh, you know, are they good because they came back from a 24-point deficit or are they not so good because they started in that deficit? I don't know what to believe on Calgary and what comes out of last week's game, to be honest. And uh, I think also Edmonton is a little better, like Adam said. So uh, I will, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go with Calgary to win this one, but not by uh, the, the amount they need here to, to cover. You know what? Fine. I'll do my reverse psychology again, just because I want Bo to lose. I'll take Calgary to beat the spread, and uh, I'll take the loss on this one if it happens. I just, again, like we talk about it, they came back from 24 down points. What if they weren't down 24? Would they have won by 30, right? Or would they have just won by, so I'm going to go with Calgary at home. Yeah, they're going to give, they'll give the Alex a wallop at home. I'm going to go with them. Okay, we're going to leave it and go to the last game. Toronto at BC. This is another one that's tough. BC's favored by five and a half. This one didn't move uh, throughout the week. So I guess a lot of the betters like this one. Ah, dang it. I'll go with BC to win by six. Um, I'm not sold on Toronto. Between the two teams that are 1-0, and I'm more, I know we're not trying to get on the uh, on BC too high here, but I'm more high on them than I would say Toronto. So I'll give BC by six. Uh, let's go to Adam because he's smirking at me. Oh, don't worry. I'm smirking about something else that's getting posted right away. Anyways, um, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Anyways... Um, no, you know what? I'm looking at it right now, and I'm seeing the BC Lions. Uh, six points is pretty pretty good for the Lions. I just I've had one game of evidence, and it was against a team that probably is in a rebuilding year. Uh, to me, right now, I want to know if Andrew Harris is going to play or not. If Andrew Harris is going to play, I'll take the Argos covering. Uh, if he doesn't play, then yeah, I could see the BC Lions winning by more than a score or two. Uh, that being said, right now, let's go with the Argos to cover. I'm going with the Argos side of this as well here. I think that uh, this is a toss-up for me between these two teams because we haven't seen a whole lot from them, so I don't know what to believe really from either side here. Uh, BC kind of has a recent history of you know building up seemingly momentum. You get high on the Lions, and then uh, they drop a bit of a dud game here for you. And I could see that happening again here against Toronto. I could see the Argos winning this one outright, uh, but uh, if they do lose, I think it will be by a small enough amount here. So uh, it'll be a close game. It'll be a fun game. One of the ones I'm probably most looking forward to this week, but uh, I'm going to take Toronto on the road and have an East team beat the West here uh, to end off the week. All right. I'm just trying to do the math real quick here. I believe you guys all had the same picks unless I wrote something wrong. Nope, you did. So if you put $10 on your two picks, that comes out to $132.83. And just for people listening at home, Ryan is 5-3 and three and Adam is 6-2. and two. So, you know, good standings. But I also am 5-3 and three as well. I just got to do the math here. Probably be around the same 130-something. So, again, you're making money with us if you're uh, following along. Just, like, I got to repeat myself, don't bet the farm. Like I accidentally said a few weeks ago, we don't, don't endorse that, you know. Um, and and seriously, uh, farms are too expensive to bet nowadays. Please do not bet the farm. Yeah, just make sure, uh, you know, bet play responsibly. Play responsibly and uh, make sure you check out the depth charts before you make your picks and your bets and your fantasy picks as well, because that can change a whole lot of things there. Also, 
Well, I think that pretty much does it here for our week three preview. Uh, Taking a look at what's coming up here on the podcast as I briefly stall for time while I get these slides up there and uh, ready to go. Uh, Because clearly I was well prepared. Uh, Here we go. It's coming. There we go. Uh, What's coming up here on the podcast? Obviously, we have a couple great football games coming up for week three in the CFL. We'll be back Monday night to recap it all. Game recaps, talk through the latest news, give our players of the week, and our uh, updated power rankings, always one of the most fun parts of the show. 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan, and uh, adjust to other time zones accordingly. You can join us live, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, uh, and on the Game Time TV YouTube page. Shout out to our presenting sponsor. And then uh, next Wednesday, it's the, uh, the three of us here once again uh, for another round of this, taking a look at the top storylines for each game, CFL fantasy, making our picks, making our bets Wednesday night, 9 p.m. as well next week. Uh, of course, you can uh, uh, subscribe over on YouTube for all of our live video content all season long. You can join us in the chat. I appreciate we appreciate all of the people who chimed in and tuned in live tonight. And if you tuned in on the uh, podcast feed as well, uh, join us live next time. Uh, but we always appreciate you listening. Nonetheless, uh, you can find the podcast on social media. On Twitter, it's at CF Countdown Pod. On Facebook, the Canadian Football Countdown there. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, where can people find you guys on social media? Let's start with you, Trey. You can find me on Twitter at Trey MB Harness. Uh, like you guys, if you listen to the show often, you know I'll talk horses, I'll talk football, I'll talk any sport, I'll talk Star Wars, I'll talk anything, you know. So at Trey MB Harness on Twitter. And yeah, you can find me at Adam Stewart One. Uh, yeah, you can find me for uh, agriculture stuff, so farming. I mean, I'm going to post a beautiful picture of my wheat here pretty soon, so if you want to see how that's doing. Uh, I'm going to probably be posting about Nazem Kadri scoring an overtime winner against the Tampa Bay Lightning to make this a 3-1 series lead for the Avalanche going home. Uh, I'm probably going to be posting a lot about the CFL this week again uh, with the Rough Riders playing the Alouettes. Uh, you know what? You can talk to me about anything, everything, and anything just come on over. You can head to Adam Stewart one. Ryan, how about you? Uh, well, you see, if I mute you to avoid all of the sass from the avalanche here, then I don't get to see the farming pictures. So I'm in a bit of a conundrum here. Uh, I guess uh, I will leave the mute off for now. Of course, I'm kidding. Uh, lots of fun with the rivalry here. And uh, hey, 3-1 series, uh, not over till it's over. We'll see if the Lightning can bounce back. My Tampa Bay Lightning, of course. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at CooperTrooper42, talking CFL, CFL fantasy, uh, really anything you want to talk about, reality TV, uh, anything like that. Hockey, of course. Got an exciting thing coming out on Twitter tomorrow, so on Thursday. So uh, look forward to that. Follow me at Cooper Trooper 42 for that. And uh, like I said, at CF Countdown Pod for the podcast itself. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, uh, we always appreciate you do all the fun things such as like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. Uh, always appreciate all of that. And uh, on behalf of our panel here tonight, Trey Quebec, I'm Adam Stewart. I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.